0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of Volley. In fact, this is the New Year's edition of Volley, our first uh, in 2018. I'm Carolyn April, and as always, I'm looking for
1: my buddy Seth. Seth Robinson, where are you? I'm right here. I'm right where you left me last year. I've Yay! Been, I've been waiting every other Friday for us to do Volley's. And
0: we <laughs> we, finally had a, a we skipped one in between because of the holidays, so uh, so it's good to finally connect again. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.
1: It's, uh, did you have a good break?
0: I did. I did. Uh, it was um, cold. That's. That would be the biggest takeaway from my break, was that it was extremely cold here in the Northeast, so we uh, endured uh, Arctic weather. Um, which made it a little, a little unpleasant. Uh, I wanted to do some skiing over break, and there was just no way uh, at all. You could I imagine sitting on a chairlift in sub-zero temperatures to get up to the top of the hill where it was just as cold. So, um, so that was a little disappointing. But otherwise, had a nice, had a nice break. How about you? I know you were busy doing a move and everything else. So uh, that's had to be a bit hectic.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the first week was really hectic, so we moved on the 19th, and then it was a uh, rush to get to Christmas, and then after that it was just kind of recovery and unpacking and stuff, uh, and then the I took the first week of January off, and that's when I finally kind of caught my breath, and it was cold here too, so we weren't getting out very much, and that actually worked out okay to just kind of be in the new place you know, do some unpacking or not and just enjoy it uh, and get ready to come back to work. So, uh, yeah, it was busy to start out with and then it was calm and it all overall it went well.
0: That's great. That's really great. You'll have to have me out to your new place when I'm next in Chicago.
1: Chicago I would love area. to do it. Yeah. yeah
0: exciting. Very exciting. So we're here in a new year, and uh, we're starting to think about all of the research that we're going to be doing this year. And I'm I'm kind of excited for a lot of projects uh, that we're going to get going on. But we are right now in kind of the the home stretch of what we do annually: our uh, industry outlook, uh, which is kind of an overall macro view of the state of the industry right now, the size of the industry, what it looks like demographically, and then we also do a set of trends every year, um, things that we're seeing and we think are going to have um, some sort of impact on IT pros, the channel, and the rest of the industry over the course of the year. So we thought we'd talk um, at least about a couple of our trends that we're, um, that were uh, putting in the report. And so I don't know, Seth, if you want to start with yours, um, we can wrap up with mine or we can go the either way.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll kick it off. Um, okay. Okay. So I've got a set of trends in the report around four areas that I think are going to be really big topics within IT departments and within IT companies and IT functions. Cloud, IoT, artificial intelligence, and security. I think those four are going to dominate. And uh, when you get the report, uh, you can see what exactly I say about those areas. But then I've got one that sort of sits above those and I think sets the stage for the way the year is going to go, the direction that technology is going to take, uh, and it's around this idea of democratization of technology. And that word has been used a little bit uh, in the past. I think it's sometimes been used almost synonymously with consumerization. But I think there's a difference there. When I think of consumerization of technology and when I see discussion around that and, and the way that people are using that term, I feel like they're talking about the fact that technology has become easier for a lot of people to use. And so there's a lot of abstraction. Uh, obviously, costs have dropped. And so we're all carrying around really powerful computers that used to have to sit on our desk. And we're able to do more things with that. And networks are ubiquitous now. And so all of a sudden, a lot of people are able to use technology that probably weren't power users before. And to me, that's what consumerization is all about, is making it easier and coming up with those user interfaces and, and doing those things. Democratization to me is about the fact that it has become easier for a lot of people to create new technology. Uh, and so you've got things out there like open source software that make it a lot easier to develop rather than starting from scratch. and needing to write in uh, a single language or proprietary um, environments or something like that. You've got 3D printing on the hardware side that makes it easier to prototype and 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 try things out. And, and there's a lot of other examples that I, I think we're seeing come to fruition in something like blockchain. Uh, that's a, a new technology model that was created because this creation process is easier and, and because there's a different feeling of trust around technology and so this this ease of creation i think is going to continue to impact trends and it's going to impact the technology landscape and you're going to have more and more things that are coming from different corners and maybe they've got sort of a niche purpose or maybe they come at a problem from a different angle um, but it's not always going to have to come from the places with deep pockets anymore Uh, and and you're going to be able to see a lot more people uh, experimenting and putting out prototypes and and doing new things Uh, and, and that's going to complicate the picture certainly but it's also going to add to the solution set and there's going to be a lot more out there for people to choose from.
0: It's, it's very interesting. Um, it, what comes to mind for me is we talk a lot about, and we did last year especially, how every industry is a technology industry or is a te- is in the technology industry in a sense because so much of what we do now is digitized regardless of what vertical we happen to be in. And when it comes to democratization and, and everybody having the ability to create technology solutions in some sense, this also opens it up to the masses, and I think that's a good thing. As you said, um, we're going to have a lot more prototypes and, and and solutions that can be vetted and been and can be uh, put into the marketplace or at least tested out without having to have those deep pockets. As you said, it doesn't have to come from the giant and you know the giants of the industry anymore, or even some of the smaller providers. Uh, I do see a danger in that also, though, um, with having perhaps uh, novices with advanced tools that they're able to use to help them be able to create things easily, uh, but it's not necessarily their skill set. And perhaps there will be things that are overlooked in terms of security uh, and other types of considerations. So it could be a little bit of a Wild West. Uh, I'd be interested to hear what you think about that.
1: That's a great point. Um, I didn't touch on it as much in the report, but I think that that kind of goes along with the whole rogue IT or shadow IT trend that we had been seeing for years that, yes, people are able to do more with technology, either, you know, procure it or try to implement it. They've got that literacy now and things have become a little easier in, in certain cases, uh, and, and so all of a sudden, there's this potential for them to do something. But you're right that there's certain knowledge and certain expertise that's missing, especially when you're coming into an enterprise environment. Uh, and so there's there's a lot happening in the consumer space that is is driving technology forward in general. But I think what that's doing is kind of highlighting the wall between the consumer space and the enterprise space. And we've seen this with like the cloud file sharing services uh, and and with. Uh, devices, and and a lot of other things that are really taking off in the consumer space, and then they want to come into the enterprise space, but they don't have all the guardrails and and security features and and things that a company would need. And and they get there pretty quickly, but there is growing pains around that. Uh, And I think you're right. I think it's going to be the Wild West. I think that people have to be aware of that. And so now when you're evaluating technology or when you're trying to implement technology, you, you maybe have to have a longer list of questions than you had before around is this safe, what's happening with data privacy, how well does this integrate, you know, all, all of those things that uh, will in, in a large part remain the purview of the IT function. And, and this is where I think that IT professionals and IT providers can feel some comfort in, in their job that as easy as a lot of this uh, stuff becomes to use, it's still not that easy to actually integrate and secure and turn into an overall architecture. Uh, and so I think those people with those kinds of skills are are going to continue to thrive.
0: Yeah, I would agree with you. I think that the you know the, the none of this obviates the need for, seasoned IT professionals and third party providers that you find in the channel who do have that level of expertise. It's sort of like in the world of writing, once the internet exploded with blogs, everybody could be a journalist, but the reality is there is uh, an expertise to it and there is schooling that goes along with with a lot of real journalism that now we're seeing the, the results of everybody thinks that they're a reporter out there on the internet, uh, doesn't always work out so well.
1: Yeah, so I'm I'm excited to see what things come down the pipeline this year, uh, which trends really start to move beyond the hype and and become something usable. I think that adoption curves are are in some ways going to look different than before because there are so many new things out there, and in some ways, once once something begins to be productive, I think there's going to be a lot of the same adoption challenges that you've had before. Um, so I'm I'm interested to see what'll happen, uh, but I think that the the wide variety of choices kind of gets into a trend of yours that when when you've got all of these things that you want to choose from and maybe you want to try some out maybe you only need some for a limited time then that kind of changes your consumption model which leads into your trend right
0: yeah um you're absolutely right it's a good segue because uh we have so many choices today uh we've got so many emerging technologies in addition to baseline technologies and we're becoming a subscriber based world so it's a it's really an as-a-service type of delivery model and consumption model um, that customers are demanding today Um, they're getting very very accustomed to the way that the cloud works and how technology is delivered much like a utility or the power to your home and as more customers come up through the ranks and that is how they have, you know, become, uh, you know, they, they expect their technology to be delivered to them. Um, that's going to become incumbent upon the vendors and manufacturers and providers in this space in our industry to figure out how best to do that. And I think right now we're doing a, a pretty good job with that, you know, initial, push from from the cloud that took us to software as a service, infrastructure as a service, platform as a service, some of the, you know, desktop as a service, some of the basics that we've been doing now for for several years. And I think a lot of channel firms and other providers have become pretty adept at managing how uh, they deliver those types of services, how they bill for them, how they um, deal with customers who are interested in those types of subscriptions. But I think to connect with what you're talking about a little bit, we are now seeing the rise of so many other solutions, um, both emerging technologies and existing technologies that, to this point, hadn't really been delivered as a service. Um, they remained, in, you know, in the realm of packaged software, uh, and and we're seeing that change. And I think one of the dangers, and this is one of the trends I want to talk about, is is getting is is, bill, is billing yourself as a provider of These types of newer services, and I'll just mention a few. I mean, we're talking drones as a service. We're talking artificial intelligence as a service. We're talking analytics as a service, which is uh, a very complex type of thing to do. And I think the danger is we're going to see many providers out there who um, who are doing the basic as a service type um, model, who might be managed services providers today, who are going to uh, tack on some of these newer things to their portfolio without fully investing in the skills required to to pull through and, and be successful and be able to serve their customers' needs. And that's sort of the the danger sign I'm trying to put out there right now, is just because you're good as a managed services provider in doing network management and providing some software as a service to your customers, different applications, does not mean that you are equipped to do all of these other new kinds of as a service without taking, you know, doing your due diligence and going out and getting trained, hiring the right people and making sure um, that you're able to deliver. Because the the number one thing in a subscription-based model and being a service provider versus selling a product in a transactional mode is that your brand and your reputation are utmost. And if you screw up, you know it's it's a Yelp world right Um, you will be denigrated online and you will not see a lot of new customers coming your way and that's sort of I just want to my trend is really a cautionary trend for you to understand your niche pick one thing do it really well Uh, if you're going to do a lot of things well be prepared to invest in the skills and the training that are going to be necessary in order for you to do them because customers today uh they have a lot of options and they will they will turn
1: away and look to the next guy as soon as something is not going right with what you promised and i think Part of that warning is around understanding that it's not just about understanding the technology, and it's not about delivering a technology in order to drive an end solution. It's about having the business model around it, and and we've seen some of this as people try to transition into managed service providers. But when I read your trend, uh, it made me think of the auto industry, uh, and I thought, you know, you're you're kind of talking about subscriptions, and you're talking about you know buying versus leasing sort of and so you know car companies or, or dealerships you know have have offered that you can buy a car or you can lease a car but that's really i think the the difference between providing an on, an ongoing service and and moving from a one-time sale into recurring revenue which is where mm-hmm. i think a lot of providers have gone with managed services <clears throat> but really a subscription service is going forward and, and saying now we're talking about uber and lyft and those, two, those things are not offered by car companies or dealerships that have been around for a while, right? It's a completely new model that had to come from somewhere else. And so it's not just the next sort of natural step from generating recurring revenue or, or doing kind of ongoing management. It's completely rethinking it. And I think we see this from, from the vendors a little bit, that vendors like Microsoft are starting to ask their partners We want you to report back on the utilization of some of these services. It's not just, you know, did you sell it? And it's not just, are you continuing to manage it? It's how much is the customer using it? And I think for a lot of providers, that's a question they've never asked before. And they've never really had the DNA to answer. And it's not just going to happen overnight. Uh, And so there is this whole business model component to providing things on an as-a-service basis. No, you're totally
0: right. I, I once read there's a staggering number of Office 365 subscriptions that are sold by partners out there but are never uh, activated. They, they lie dormant. And partners are not taking note of this. And Microsoft now does want to know. I mean, are you selling these, uh, these 365 subscriptions? Are the customers even using them? And to what extent are they using them? Like what capabilities are they using? What features are they using? And building in the ability to track that from a provider at a provider or partner level uh, is something that the, you're right, they, they have not uh, generally done before and, and, and it does require data analytics. It requires uh, sort of a, a moving up the stack just a, a bit where I think a lot of these companies are gonna struggle in their transition. And this may be, this is, this is round three of business transformation for the channel where you're moving from transaction sales to managed services and recurring revenue cloud services i guess maybe this is stage 4 i don't know cloud services would be the third stage and then and then the fourth stage being you know how to Actionably do some analysis around what your customers are actually doing, so that then you can then on on the front end tweak what you want to provide to them, personalize the type of uh, technology that you're going to try to sell to them, or that you're going to activate for them in the subscriptions that they're using. You know, deactivate stuff that they're not using. Uh, it, it's it it's, it raises a very interesting question, and I think uh, I think it's going to be a bit of a bloodbath. I think for a lot of smaller providers trying to figure out. How to do these types of things that are very complex and sophisticated when they're they're trying to keep their, their basic business running. And so, you know, my advice has always been to you know pick one thing, one or two things, pick those, dive into those, and make those your niche. And I think that's the way to survive in this world uh, that is becoming so diverse in terms of what the offerings are out there, how you can consume these offerings, and what some of the demands are from the, the end customers. Um, It's going to be uh, an interesting little jungle to navigate, I think, going forward, especially this year.
1: Yeah, and I I think that picking your specialty and doubling down on it or building around it is totally fine. You know, this is a message that we've had for the past couple of years uh, that I think you and I have both kind of been sharing as we've been presenting or writing. uh, A little bit different from what we used to say. I think when we started looking at cloud, we and a lot of the other industry people were kind of saying hey this is the direction that the industry is moving and at a real high level it is but i think that even if the industry is moving in that direction it's becoming more diverse like you're saying and there still is a place for several different business models it's not that everyone has to become this one type of thing now there might need to be less of a given business model as another one grows but I don't think there's going to be total elimination of a business model. And and so there's going to be places where selling equipment still works. And there's going to be places where co-located data centers still work. And there's going to be places where subscriptions work. And sometimes they're going to work together. Uh, and so I think there will be a lot of partnering opportunities. I think mm-hmm. there will be a lot of opportunities for people to... Like you said focus and specialize and be the person that's providing this thing uh, and, and then it'll be really interesting to see exactly how end users and, and customers that need to procure IT services how exactly they structure their network of partners in the future uh, to, to try to manage all of these models and to try to get the specializations that they need to have in their own businesses.
0: Yeah, we've paid a lot of lip service over the years to partnering uh, with uh, other companies that have a skill set that you lack and you have a skill set that they lack. Uh, And I think that this could be the way that things are shaking out with cloud and with an as a service world and with customer type demands and with the need to specialize. I think this could be a breakout year where we're actually start to see some real examples of companies partnering with one another, providers really partnering, and, you know, and again, you know, these are competitors, but I think uh, I think we could see a number of channel firms and, and even vendors doing a lot more partnering, realizing that you can't do it all, uh, and so uh, in the interest of the end customer and their needs, why not team up and be able to provide them a, a, a total solution, even though your company maybe not may not be the one that's providing the total solution, so I, I want to keep an eye on that this year as well.
1: Yep. I, I think that uh, overall we're seeing a lot more maturing. You know, we, we've talked a lot about how we're in this era of cloud computing and mobile devices and how these eras of technology usually last for a couple decades. And so I think it makes sense that we're getting into this new stage of maturity within the specific area of technology. But I think also broadly as an overall industry, the technology industry is kind of young and Over the past year, we saw it go through some of its own growing pains, like we talked about on the last podcast. Uh, And going into 2018, we're going to see exactly how those things start to grow and and mature and and become what they need to be in the next phase here. Um, Mm -hmm. So these are two trends that we have. There's another 10 that are in the report. Uh, along with a lot of industry sizing information and uh, that report will be available towards the end of this month. So uh, please be sure to keep an eye out for it. check out CompTIA.org, and uh, we will be sure to blast it out as widely as possible.
0: Awesome yeah, uh, it'll be out soon. so uh, usually has a good shelf life for the for the, most of the year for us which is which is great and uh, yeah, please do check it out
1: folks. All right. All right, well, are you gonna are you gonna get any skiing in this weekend? Is it better there now?
0: Nah, I wish. I'm taking my daughter back to college this weekend. The yeah. long college winter break is over, so uh, driving up to Vermont, where there's plenty of skiing, but I don't think I'm gonna have time. But maybe uh, I, I will be home on Monday. We have Monday off. So yes. maybe, maybe. So fingers crossed depending on uh, depending on the weather and other things, but hopefully. And I may see you in a couple of weeks, thinking of uh, heading out to, to headquarters, so uh, maybe get a chance to see the new house.
1: Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. And uh, if you're around, maybe we should record Volley live in person, be looking at that each other while be, we're doing this. That
0: would be great. Yeah, I'd love to do that. Awesome. All right, my friend, have a good one.
1: All right, you too.